Why don't you take your glasses off so we can see you? And then apologise to your neighbours for frightening nah, them. Nah, 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 I'll leave these on. Nah, I like them. Weird Australia. Hey there, I'm Stu Buchanan, and this is the new Weird Australia podcast, where we talk with artists and labels that are making music that lives somewhere out there in the fringes, right out in the margins. Weird, eclectic, experimental, uh, outsider, avant-garde, avant-blah. It's new, it's weird, it's Australian. Now, I don't know if you can hear in the background the sound. It's a cacophony of cicadas. Uh, very quintessential Australian summer sound. I'm recording this uh, home in the Blue Mountains on a 40 degree day. Very, very warm. So I'm glad I'm inside. I've got the fans on. Time to record the New Weird Australia podcast. Now, in this episode, I'm talking with Hannah Jenkin, also known as outsider artist Jessica at birth. Now, music kind of comes to me here at New Weird Australia in a variety of different ways, but. I found Hannah on a very deep dive on Bandcamp, suffering on some uh, experimental music tags. And the very first time that I heard the work, I was pretty much smitten. It's this sort of incredible mix of very deeply personal storytelling with a catalogue of all manner of instruments and sounds. And whilst they may be pretty lo-fi in origin sometimes, the attention to world building through sound is quite wonderful. She describes the themes in her music as working class narratives, as well as resilience from sexual assault, queer stories, being an outsider and single parenting in poverty. I asked Hannah to contribute a track to the recent New Weird Australia compilation, Solitary Wave. You can find that now on Bandcamp and SoundCloud, 26 tracks across two volumes. Um, As I very eloquently put it, music made, remade and reconsidered during the pandemic. Hannah is uh, currently living in Melbourne, and at the time of the interview, she was living next to a six-lane highway, which actually features prominently throughout the recording, much like the cicadas, it has to be said. This is Jessica at birth on New Word Australia. Thank you. 
Okay, good. Thanks. Good, good. No, I'm just, I'm just putting, putting my volume up a little bit here yeah. so I can hear myself. Good. Um, and just change your input for a sec. You're, you're next to the freeway in lockdown. No. I live on a six-main highway, six-lane. So in the in Melbourne's west, in the industrial, in the bit where they're having a big thing about the toxicity of the soil, and you know, I'm I'm really on the the edge of the city in it, and it's it. I think that living on a main road is the pace of capitalism, and that a lot of my work is about how to be in that constant um it's like it's like being by a beach or a river where you know like the traffic comes in sets but it's constant there's never there was one day the day when when it first happened with the corona where everything was shut and it was just so blissful like it was like it's like if you live in the country if you live ever lived in wide open paddocks where the sound is so loud because it's so quiet um it's kind of like that the uh yeah, the road is a, is a constant feature for me. And I'm going to be moving. I plan to move in summer. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what, what, what the environment, you know, how it will feed into the work. And do um, you know where you're moving to? I mean, have you chosen that well, specifically to sort of not uh, be a six-lane highway? Yeah, I'm going to be near water uh, I've, yeah. I've, because of the, as you know, of what happens with sound and water. I'm thinking probably around the corner over in Williamstown where all the uh, boats are in the harbour. So, you know, still feeling the kind of vibrations of that Westgate Bridge on on the... But not as intense as um, roadworks at 7am or, you know, 3 in the morning. Or there's all this sort of underground stuff that happens where people come and chop down trees in the middle of the night, you know, all, all just sorts of funny things that happen when you live yeah. in, a, in a big city when lockdown happens it must have been like you say really apparent and obvious because yes. um you know up until then you've got six lanes of traffic that are pro- yes. probably you know, like 24 7 to some extent yeah and then one day you open the curtains and fuck where's the traffic going that's right it was so great it was just i think humans really need that this stillness and definitely the animals do the birds have just you've probably i'm not sure if you've done any uh, research but the birds in the city have to get louder to hear each other over us. And, um, yeah, I just think that our stillness this time, as scary as it's been and as autumn as it's been, a lot of my work is kind of Eastern influence because of being mixed heritage. And I feel like my soul is actually like old Japan or something or it's just not really here. <laughs> Part of my work is like that as well, like I'm in yeah. other worlds. I create these other worlds and I think people do if you live in a city or you live somewhere where it's just you know you don't get any rest um from this pace of capitalism that you just have to find fantasy places for stillness and Mm. you know softness and uh I think that's the the primary reason that I will make experimental uh work is to enter worlds that I create that give me some sort of you know nourishment or medicine or something for my heart you, you sort of mentioned there it, the idea of entering worlds, but mm. it it seems like a lot of your work is sort of profoundly autobiographical. Very, you know, so very much. So it comes it comes yep. from the kind of you know the kind of realistic storytelling. Yeah. Um, but but I guess you sort of rethinking, reimagining that into uh, you know 
into other worlds, as it were? Well, they're kind of like love letters. If you've had, and grief is a primary theme. I've, I've been exploring grief for more than 20 years and intergenerational trauma. You know, that World War Two is just so huge uh, in my family, the, the biological, the place of, you know, my, because I'm adopted and fostered and have had lots of different people in my life with all their narratives and all their traumas and everything, as we all have as humans. Um the last bit that I, I played it to my parents yesterday, the bit about their parents, and it's very like love letters from ghosts. You know, there's a haunting, mm. but there's a freshness to that where I kind of contain, it's like I can go, I'll sit, you know, there's this line where it's like I'm sitting in the bed seat of the castle of my heart or, you know, like she's allowed to talk to me through the music, but then I'm not haunted the rest of my day. It's like I've used music as a way to contain mm. Um, spiritual things or longing or, or you know mystery or something um, Interesting. yeah so then I can function the rest of my day because people go Han you're so bats like how do you function if you're just always being in this other world um, mm. and you have to like I, I parent two teenagers and you know I mentor songwriters and I clean houses and walk dogs and as we do the gig economy lots of different things and people but uh, I yeah so it, that's why collaborations are great because it's like a, a meeting of around the round table of who are your ancestors, who are mine, and what is the business here, and you know, I love that. It's interesting, sort of, mm. um, you know, you said playing that back to to your parents there because um, mm. part of kind of moving through trauma is, of course, mm. talking it out as an individual. But it must be interesting yep. to to also kind of hear that reflected back. How do they respond to your to your music? I think they think it's really weird and it's really me, <laughs> but they gave that to me, like like being clowns, being punks. When I talk about being a punk, I mean like keeping the child, the wild, you know, f- the, f- the flow of, of feelings in a real way, um, which is often, you know, sort of rubs against uh, other sort of cultural patterns that you're supposed to be so you know that's what I mean when I say that my parents are punk and that they kept their playfulness that they're very um they're really excellent characters you know and they've created theatre with me from forever like my my first album's about Beano which is my childhood toy and I often will use Beano as a way to sort of um create lightness um, uh, with heavy things, I'll say, or oh, Beano thinks this, when it's, of course, it's me. You know, so forever, like, my family have been doing this sort of narrative therapy in a non-mental health way, like, not as middle-class, you know, doctors or whatever. They just did it themselves. So they just, you know, found ways to have playfulness. And I love that. I think I think as adults, in, it's really important that we keep that. And I'm, and you know, that's... I think it's also being the youngest. Do you know in your family, like family position, have you? Are you the youngest? I am the youngest. Yeah, yeah. every muso that I meet who who makes work like <laughs> the work we make um, had a lot of time to play and just explore and not be wrong. And you know, it's we made worlds. Um, I definitely. It's, did. Inter- mm. it's interesting that it reminds me of that old adage, isn't it? That that the artist is the child who never grew up. Yeah, and yeah, people say that they're like Hannah, grow up. Like can't can't just grow up. But then <laughs> I. No, but other, like old people, I was at this market, this fabulous market. Um, I've actually just been over in the north, which is, there's a lot of stories in there. I went across the train tracks where my birth mother died this morning to go and see my doctor. And 
the people in that hood are so real. You know, like I'm standing in this sort of sci-fi doctor's thing and this old Italian woman is swearing her head off and, you know, it's just this sort of fecund kind of excellent place of trauma and struggle but also realness and dirt and grit. And, you know, I, I think that when you live somewhere that's multi-layered um, and which I do, which is, you know, the western suburbs used to be an old toxic dump um, and the Westgate Bridge found it, you know, fell down in the 60s. And, you know, there's these sort of layers. And my dad was a panel beater, so he would often sand down. And, and my mum worked at Bristol Paint. So there's this sort of the collage of narrative through landscape, through mm. physical, you know, the memory of story. I'm really interested in that. I love going to old places and I, I love that. I feel very sensitive to those kinds of things. <laughs> Part of your background, you know, which I think is really interesting because it, it, it really, I think, informs your music is, is training in performing arts and particularly training yep. in clown studies and yes. uh, and, and fire reading and, and so on. How did how mm. did your life bring you to, to that particular field of study? Well, I used to always play a game of running away from home, which was the best game um, because my parents would say, don't go or they'd watch me go or, you know, we'd play... And I always said that I was going to run away to the circus. And when I did leave Ipswich, which is the coal mining town that a lot of my early, my teenage 
Volcana work is about, I moved to West End in Brisbane and I joined Volcana Women's Circus. And there was a Chinese woman, Anna Yen, who was a very strong mentor for me because she also had Chinese heritage in Australia. And because I've been raised by British white people, I, I didn't have the Chinese lineage. And she kind of gave it to me through teaching me balance and stilts and clown and, you know, meditation or this whole cultural stuff that I it was a great gift. And I was about 18 years old. So, you know, remember when you're 18, everything goes in, it's all sort of forming. I loved it. And punk in Brisbane, you know, we had Joe Bjorki Peterson. I was at the Uni of Queensland. I was the women's officer at the doing social work at uni. But uh, really everything was uh, the street theatre. I, I loved the honesty of a street performer where, that you know, people walk by, there's no investment. They can say, I think you work's crap. You know, it's great. It's like <laughs> it's so real. Um, yeah. I like that. I like that yeah. about it. So, yeah. And no mediation, you know. It's, it's literally just like... Um, if you like it and you enjoy it, then you know yeah. show your appreciation by yeah. throwing some coins in the in the hat or whatever. But uh, yeah. I used to work and I used to work at the Fringe in Edinburgh. Awesome! Uh, I was there for about three or four years. Yep. Of course, that that whole city was just full of street theatre. And, yeah. and you know the the Fringe was kind of largely predicated on on people turning up and doing, I guess, more not so much formal theatre, but mm. in venues. Yeah. Um, but but the whole kind of street aspect of it, which was you know which was completely kind of anarchistic in that sense. Um, was was phenomenal, and actually, that's mm. what gave the city its true edge. I think um, yep. during during that period. Yeah, yep. and again, making worlds, installations. You know, under make a piece of work under a stairwell or under a bridge, or you know that that's that's a very punk excellent thing. That uh, and also because in Ipswich, I was involved with a group of young people for many years. Sort of pre, I don't know if you know about Pauline Hanson and neoliberalism and Australian racism, and you know. We had, oh man, in the in the 90s, it was really on for racism, Islamophobia. Like, And I was in a relationship with a Moroccan woman and, and we weren't out. So you can imagine being queer in Ipswich, Pauline Hanson, my girlfriend's Muslim. You know, it's, um, I was always going to have these voices that were quite, that were dissident or other or, you know, in response to some sort of, fascist thing or you know adult thing I was really into hip-hop in the early days I, I loved that um and that, again it's such an outsider thing you know sometimes a cypher mm. or some tape culture like it's not very documented Australian hip-hop and so I the, a lot of the work in the 90s early 90s wasn't documented or we've got it on VHS or you know but you just do it anyway you're not doing it for money you're doing it for the coded honouring of the ones who can't. So, like, mm. you know, young people in jail or, you know, people whose spirits have taken from suicide or police violence or, you know, whatever. Like, you, I feel like part of my um, amplifying and conducting of narrative is because they couldn't. I can because they couldn't, you know. Mm. This sort of exposes my lack of knowledge, I guess, of, of Australian music in the in the 90s. Was hip hop one of the kind of few political or musics at the time? I mean, grunge obviously in America had had a lot to say about being disaffected, but I don't know if that necessarily translated here. Feminist, riot girl. I mean, you th- like I'm thinking about Kathleen Hanna. I lived mm. in this little squat with a bunch of punks who were skaters and and made zines, and we used to leave our zines on the Ipswich train line. So it was this whole underground culture of you know pre-internet, and. 
a lot of coded things so people would create like I had this persona um MC Bella and that was like my hip-hop name and the, the whole thing with it's again it's theatre it's like you create a name you know Jessica was the name that I was given at birth I don't know whether my birth mother gave it to me or a nurse and there's all these family stories of who who gave it to you and, and, and whose name it is and um but you it's something you can do you know this poor little kid who's angry but and you're full of stories that are stories you can't tell at school you can't tell to your parents you know you probably can't tell to some friends but you can tell it to the airwaves or you can tell it into a little tape recorder and it's it's like a I don't know I feel like sometimes that my work is about that like I'm not sure exactly if I'm just talking to the ancestors or if it's for you or if it's just for me or you know like I, it's mm. interesting to examine what's the work about who's it for why do you make it I know I if I didn't make it that I would just feel really frustrated and you know sort of mm. built up like it's like it's yeah. definitely a place it's like probably why people go to church you know they sit there quietly or something like I for me music making is uh is that space Theatre obviously has been a large part of your background, mm-hmm. um, but where does sort of the the particularly the re- the recording of music sit in thing? Because Jessica mm. Firth is a is a project that's relatively recent; it's a couple of years yep. old, I believe. Yeah. Yep. What's the story that that links that earlier part to Jessica Firth? I used to press go on the tape recorder in the eighties, um, and just yeah would make work on tapes, and then. Most recently, well, for years I made improvised live scores for playback theatre and many different companies. So Brisbane and, you know, I made one on the Sunshine Coast and then Waiheke Island in New Zealand and then came back to Footscray Western Edge Youth Arts, Playback West. And my role was live score, you know, live stories 
on the spot producing so that the sounds would be moving the story and there would be a reason of a you know uh, narrative traditional narrative in theater so it's short form in pro maybe half an hour the show may be you know different ones so but then I thought these are other people's stories and they're my stories because I'm collecting all these instruments so I just have this tons of instruments from that and um, then I thought when you do playback sometimes that's videoed for grants or whatever or little company things but I had not recorded my own stories and I thought I've got to do it and it's feelings based so part of the you know biological hurts in my ancestry is one of them's about being a Jew German Jew heritage so the feeling that you're always going to die or be targeted or like you know someone's going to get you same with Chinese in Australia you know that assimilation things of um, work hard be grateful work hard be grateful but the wanting to give to my children so the identity of a parent is like feeling like I'm going to die or I should leave them some family stories and also because my parents are older now the f- just that just wanting to mm. re- keep it and tell it and also through my voice a feminist thing because as you know like who tells the stories you know they're shaping and I wanted to have some some empowerment in that where you know if you're a 41 year old woman in Australia survived a lot of family violence lots of horrible things what can I do that makes me feel good oh I can do this little game that's my game I'm in charge of it you know Tell the story. But essentially, it's similar mm. to that sense of just passing, like oral history. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the passing on of your kind of um, experience and wisdom and so on. And, yes. But, in, but in, in the framework of this music project. Yeah. Um, where we, we can all share in it. And I mean, I think you're, it's, it's pretty clear right from get go from mm. some of the first work you released as Jessica at birth. Mm. I mean, Rosewood was one, one of the first ones, um, which is, you know, a kind of short EP, which is entirely based on your early teenage years. Tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about that one. Oh, Rosewood's such a town you've got to go there it's um it was really just a love letter to my teenager of like you went through that much shit and look you you got out of it you know like I could name on you know all the fingers of both my hands lots of people that took their lives from that area of that town you know it's an old cold mining town only last year they just shut the whole mine um you know I've people I grew up with in many generations of miners and workers and truck drivers and bikies and Australia has this underworld of people that make their own rules so I met truck drivers and truckies they do what they like you know like there's a culture but I was really informed by the CB radio and me and my best friend and we would get on the radio so we had a voice there but listening to all the gossip and you know I'm this little kid, 13-year-old girl, looking in this t- in this tiny town with this, all these things going on and, you know, I'm just observing it all and, you know, it, it's it's kind of like Americana in a way. Like when I found Bob Dylan, you know, I talk about that in the work, was like later I was like, wow, I grew up in this old coal mine that, that there is a relationship to American uh, and I was listening to a lot of music like that in, in my early teens. But I did have someone ring me who was a shift worker in Ipswich who had heard Speedway Queen, um, the first release in, I don't know, when four years ago or whatever. And he said it, it was like he was in 1982 again and he was with his mates. And I was like, when I made that, I made that for people who drove Tiranas in the late 70s. And it was re- it's really about my parents, you know. But... Um, that was excellent that he was he stopped his car 
he rang the radio station. He was like, who is this? You know, what? Because it, it ignited something in him that had been dormant. And mm. if, 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 it, if the work does that, then that's good, you know, to awaken something. Yeah, I'm from the country, mate. Tough titties. Well, you too. Thank you too. It's been fascinating. And, uh, I'll listen to that one. That was a big one. Yeah, see? Vibro- and the whole house shakes. The whole yeah, house I could, shakes. I could even, I could even he- almost hear the shake. Jesus. That's awesome. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. lovely to chat. Thank, Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. That's Speedway Queen by Jessica at Birth, a.k.a. Hannah Jenkin. You can find all of our work at jessicaatbirth.bandcamp.com. Now, that's it for this episode of the podcast. But before I go, can I ask you a favor? If you like the podcast, if you like what I'm doing here, then please head to Apple Podcasts or Google and leave a rating or review. You're basically going to help those places to get a sense of what is interesting, what's popular when it comes to music podcasts. And then that helps get new weird Australian music in front of more people. I'm Stu Buchanan. Thanks for listening. Let's play out with another Jessica Birth track. This is Windy Louvre. <laughs> 